Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our heart be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, take away the stone, for if you believe, you will see the glory of God. I'm imagining the story of a man who might be familiar to you. Let's call him Trevor. Trevor comes from a home north of here that by all accounts gave him everything he needed. His father worked in corporate America for years and a job that he was not fond of that provided amply for his family. His mother kept busy at church and in the neighborhood, never never letting herself sit idle. Trevor has few memories of his parents truly enjoying one another, but his needs were always met and the household ran smoothly. Trevor himself had an education that many would envy, which led to prestigious internships and eventually to a variety of jobs from which to choose. He'd been fortunate to meet his wife while in graduate school and took great pride in his ability to provide for his family as his father had done. Only recently, upon the occasion of his father's death, has Trevor experienced a deep, deep depression. His father lived a long life and the illness that eventually took him brought with it only minimal suffering. Strictly speaking, it wasn't solitary grief over his father's death that made him feel stuck. It was as if he was seeing for the first time how unattached he was to his father. Trevor's father had been there for him in all the ways he imagined a father was supposed to be, but perhaps not in the way that would have mattered most when it was all said and done. With the passing of his father, Trevor was confronting the reality that his childhood and his family lacked in all signs of affection. His father had always been proud of him, but he could not recall a single occasion of hearing him say, I love you. His parents had always been kind to one another, but he could not recall that they ever sat on the same couch, kissed, or affectionately held the hand of the other. They had freely discussed the state of the market, the political landscape, and even the drama of church committees, but never how any of them were feeling. Much of this self-reflection is normal upon experiencing the death of a loved one, particularly a parent. But Trevor's depression and his unrelenting feelings of dread were specific. Let me remind you how Trevor got into this situation. He had lived over 50 years of his life content with who he'd become. But upon peering over the threshold of death, upon looking into his father's grave, He'd seen something he wished he could unsee. He had a lot to lose by digging deeper to explore the possibility that his childhood and his life with his parents was not what he remembered. Trevor didn't want to have feelings of disappointment in his father, but he couldn't bear the thought that his mother had been lonely and that his father had made sacrifices for his sake. At the end of the day, he could not avoid the reality that his childhood was completely void of affection. As he looked around his own life, he was terrified to pull back the curtain and discover the ways in which he behaved like his father. His children had never wanted for anything, but he didn't know nearly as much about them as perhaps he should. 
His wife was kind and accommodating, but certainly did not ask for more of his attention. Mostly, he was filled with dread about the possibility of being left with feelings of regret about his own life. Trevor wanted nothing more than to unsee what he saw in his father's grave and to return to life as he previously enjoyed it. I think Trevor's story is worth imagining this morning because of his experience with thresholds. There was a clear before and after moment in his story, before his father's death, before peering into his grave, before a fearful examination of his own life. Each of these thresholds come with the possibility of pain, but also the expansive possibility of something much, much deeper, a self-knowledge that brings with it glorious potential. The struggles of Trevor and Martha are one in the same. In our narrative from the Gospel of John, Martha has just experienced a life-altering event. Moving forward, life will clearly be marked as the time before her brother's death and the time after her brother's death. The person whom she thought might be able to make it all better has failed her miserably. And with this disappointment has come a painful loss of hope. When Jesus does finally show up, Martha's intent on arguing with him. Jesus missed the moment, and the stone that sealed Lazarus into his grave has been in place for days. After several frustrating rounds of back and forth, Jesus responds with audacity that seemingly defies logic and any sense of compassion by saying, Take away the stone. For Martha, it seems the prospect of rolling away the stone is paralyzing. She has too much to lose by moving the thing that shields her from death. On the most basic level, there is a physical stench that will reveal the final horror of her loss. But that stone represents the possibility of other losses too. She is grappling with the loss of her faith in Jesus, who may have been able to save her brother. She is confronting the potential loss of hope in the one who was meant to be the redeemer they had waited for for so long. Martha is also confronting the reality of what her life looks like without the patriarch of the family, which will not be easy. The possibility of rolling away the stone seems to only make more of a mess of the tragedy that already surrounds her. Yet somehow, Martha summoned her strength, and what awaited her on the other side of that stone was nothing short of the glory of God. Trevor is Martha. Martha is all of us. We have so much to lose by moving the thing that shields us from seeing death. There is the physical reminder of the finality of our loss. There is the anguish of disappointment, both in ourselves and the possibility of disappointment in those whom we loved and respected. There is also the dread of having to confront all the work that we must do if the stone is rolled away. 
This morning's gospel presents us with a series of threshold encounters. In each instance, a boundary is crossed, marking a clear before and after point. With each crossing, Jesus draws closer to his own death. First, he crossed back into Judea, which his disciples admonished him not to do, knowing that the Jewish authorities were seeking to harm him. Then Jesus crossed over into Bethany and met Martha and Mary in the throes of their grief. The final threshold was that of the tomb. Those gathered practiced very strict purity rituals when it came to dead bodies. It was unheard of for someone to open a tomb that had been closed for four days. This final crossing foreshadows Jesus's own death. This passage, this descent to death, this resurrection story is in fact a microcosm of John's gospel and in fact the entirety of scripture. At the heart of it all, and at the heart of every threshold Jesus crosses, lies this most important question. Does it make any difference to believe in Jesus? Does it make any difference to be a Christian? Take away the stone, Jesus says, for if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Martha pleaded with Jesus not to reveal the horror of death in a way that seems achingly familiar. And yet, we know that what awaited Martha on the other side of death is nothing short of the glory of eternal life. This morning, we have reason to be filled with hope about the seemingly fearful prospect of stoned being removed. But I wonder about the stones in your life. I wonder about the stones that are preventing you from seeing the glory of God. I wonder whether being a Christian gives you the courage to peer into the grave. I wonder if you can trust that Jesus will meet you there and reveal the very glory of God. Amen.